Welcome to Breaking the Barrier, a Western lifestyle podcast highlighting those breaking barriers both in and out of the arena. Today, we're chatting with a woman who is breaking plenty of barriers in the rodeo world. I'm talking with Sarah Brown Armstrong, a female bronc rider, horse trainer, wife, mom, fashion enthusiast. Is there really anything you can't do? <laughs> hey, I say I'll try pretty much everything once, so <laughs> I have that's for sure. Oh, well, we're so excited to have you here today to talk about all of the crazy cool things that you have done and are doing. Uh, but to start, give us some background on how you grew up, how you got involved in the Western way of life. Um, I grew up on 30 acres in Alito, Texas. Um, my mom and my dad did a little bit of team pinning when they were younger, but by the time I was, I think, even a toddler, um, they pretty much gave it all up. So I grew up on a little land and we had some horses in the pasture, but I never really messed with them much. Um, I grew up doing competitive cheerleading. And um, even though I lived in a small town, I really wasn't cowgirl or really had much to do with anything agriculturally. Um, I just kind of went to school and, you know, had a pretty normal lifestyle. But um, I hurt my back in cheerleading. I think I was in seventh grade or something. And um, it took me out of cheer and there wasn't much to do in a small town. So I got into um, working at a stable that my mom's friend owned. They did trail rides and all sorts of stuff. And so I needed some extra money and I started um, helping clean stalls and saddle horses and just working at the stable and started riding a little bit. And I actually found out that it wasn't just, you know, put putting around on a horse. I went and, you know, was riding bareback, running through fields and doing all sorts of stuff. Um, but since I'm a very competitive person, I got bored with that really fast still. Um, I didn't come for much money. So barrel racing really wasn't um, a good option for me. I wasn't going to be able to really be good at it because a, I couldn't train a horse. I was so young and uh, <laughs> So I started roping, which kind of was up my alley anyway. I always kind of hung out with the guys more. And I really liked the idea of um, doing something horse-wise that was useful on a ranch. Um, I loved, I always loved like the ranch lifestyle and more than just the rodeo stuff. So I got into roping. I roped through high school. Um, like I said, I didn't have much money. So <laughs> I had some pretty dinky horses. There was one that I tried to train myself, which... That's when I really got into cult starting and stuff. Um, and I was trying to train horses, but I was doing it on my own and I didn't know much. So I watched a lot of videos, um, watched other trainers, just soaked in everything I could and did a lot of trial and error. <laughs> I, I messed up a lot of horses, but I learned a lot along the way. So um, I went to finals in the roping. And like I said, I was always hanging out with the guys and I, I, I rode a horse pretty well. I mean, I could sit on a pretty, pretty crazy horse if it was getting crazy with me and stuff. And I wanted to bronc ride, but as you could imagine, my mother um, <laughs> wasn't, wasn't. I, I honestly think this is hilarious that you were out of cheerleading, but this was the next best thing. Like I can't be a cheerleader, but I'm going to try this. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I like the adrenaline and the cheer you're up in the air and tumbling yeah. and stuff. So the idea of bronc riding was like, Hey, that's competitive. It's something with the guys. It sounds fun. Um, I don't know. It, I, I just liked the rough and tough, rough and tumble idea of it. But, um, and it was something that wasn't going to cost a lot of money. Um, but my mom wouldn't sign my entry forms, of course. So I had to wait a couple years. So right when I turned 18, <laughs> my mom's boyfriend, um, 
he kind of taught me a little bit on colt starting he helped me start my first horse but past that really wasn't much but he bought me my first bronc halter which i needed to enter um to get on my first rodeo on a bronc so <laughs> she was pissed at him and <laughs> didn't know about it until after but he showed up and oh my gosh so um i got on my first bronc at 18 and i did that for a few years so um that's kind of what all led up to it but it was it was a, a good contrast from cheerleader to bronc rider over the years <laughs> yeah no definitely so what associations were willing or able to take you as a female bronc rider at that point in time the only one so actually it was kind of crazy i just saw an ad on facebook that said ladies <laughs> bronc rider i it love it so random and um there was a few girls that showed up that day and i have one good friend that um we were just laughing about we literally just saw a flyer, ladies ranch bronc riding. We went and entered a rodeo, which I do not recommend starting that. <laughs> Don't do it that way. It just happened to work for us. Um, but we were there for the right reasons, for sure. We wanted to really ride Bronx, but um, I just showed up to rodeo. Actually, I was really embarrassed because I've, I've seen videos um, of ranch bronc riding, but I'd never paid that much attention. And when you when you do um, ranch bronc ride, you don't use the saddle pad like you would on a on a horse that you're riding to go rope on or whatever. And so I showed up with my saddle blanket and my saddle, and I was really embarrassed because I didn't need a saddle blanket. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like I hope no one saw that. Oh my that. gosh, <laughs> it was pretty funny. But um, that association was the Texas um, Ladies Ranch Bronc Riding TBR. Um, they had a men's division and a women's division, um, and women were able to enter the men's as well but um texas bronc riders association daryl McElroy runs that and it's still going today so um it's a really good it's a really good place to start they have some pretty decent horses especially to get started on and they have some higher level horses that um, stock contractors bring too but that's pretty much the only one running you can enter some rodeos if the um if the people running the rodeo let you but people are still really weird about women on bronx so the really only big organization running it is the TBRA. Yeah, that that was actually my next question was what kind of opportunities are available right now. But um, <laughs> so so being a female in this male dominated sport, I, I mean, I'm sure you've answered this question hundreds of times. But what is that experience like? And has it changed at all since you initially got started? When I got started, I guess it was 2017 when I started and there was really, there was a couple girls that had gotten on, um, but there was only really one girl that I knew of that was consistently getting on. And she was entering all the men's, men's rodeos because there really wasn't anything started for the women. Um, there wasn't any associations really running for anyone. So she was entering with the men. Her name's Brittany Miller. Um, and so when Daryl McElroy started the TBRA, she jumped on that. And the girls that went to that first rodeo pretty much continued on for the few years past that, the original girls. So once we run through that organization, there was a lot of more girls that started to see um, what we were doing and were interested in the sport as well. So there was a lot of girls that tried it out, but very few that continued it on. <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple girls now on the road that are pretty good, but it's, it's a very select few. I think there have been some experiences where girls have kind of chased guys running the rodeos off of letting them enter girls that mm -hmm. have really not had enough experience to get started. I think a lot of people want to jump into it before 
they really even have enough experience with horses. They don't understand that it is how dangerous it really is. I've tried to help out a few girls. I've had girls back there before they're getting on their horse crying, literally crying. Like, oh, I don't want to do it. I'm like, then why are you here? You know, and so people see that. And that a lot of people aren't very welcoming to girls in the sport. Um, I've had stock contractors try and give me really bad horses that are flipping over in the chutes and horses that they wouldn't run to the guys. Um, you have to you have to watch where you're riding. You have to be more careful, I think, than the, than the guys, because there are people that don't want you there. That's for sure. And I think that's really interesting, because if you look at a lot of the old rodeo pictures from the early days, ladies bronc riding was a thing. I mean, I, for instance, I, I'm from Nebraska, so my point of reference right now is the Burwell Rodeo, which has been going on for over 100 years. And we have this big history book of, of all the years of the rodeo. And in the early days, the ladies bronc riding was one of the main attractions. So right. I, I'm sure that you're intimately familiar with, with all this history and whatnot, but could you give us some context on maybe why that was and isn't anymore? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, about 95 years ago, it died out. Um, but when rodeo was starting, um, there was, you know, Annie Oakley shooting the guns. There was the Wild West shows, Buffalo Bill and all that. And there were women riding Bronx and they were actually pretty good at it. Um, the only difference today between us and them is they were able to use a rein on each side. So when we ride, we have one rein in one hand. There's connected on both sides of the horse. And so you see a lot of women um, freehanding and stuff, which um, is a little easier that way. But it was really cool. The horses were different and everything. But um, there was one instance, I think her name was Bonnie McCarroll. She had died at a rodeo it wasn't at the rodeo that she died but there's a famous picture of her the horse is blowing up and she's upside down and her head's about to hit the ground you can see it looks like she's doing a flip and i um once she passed away everyone looked at her and they said basically women are banned from doing this anymore um people shut them out and it pretty much went extinct for years there's a few women that rode but um it definitely wasn't a normal thing and um it's come up through the years. We were actually the first women to ride in Cheyenne Frontier Days in 90 years, um, a couple years back. And it was a really big deal to see it kind of blow up again. But it's interesting um, with the Bonnie McCarroll case is that it's, it's a tough sport. But because she was a woman, everyone put her eyes on her and said, you can't do it. And it just goes to show the difference of what people expect out of women and men. And it's, it's sad, you know, it's sad that um, people think women are so incapable when obviously you've seen that they are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I would, I'm sure you've had a lot of great moments where you've kind of gotten to sit back and be like, not, I told you so, but kind of, I told you so, you know, <laughs> because you've gotten to prove yourself in this realm that so many people have been shut out of. I would just love to know, like, what's one of your proudest moments or proudest accomplishments it doesn't even have to be, you know, like a, a great ride necessarily, but a moment where you were able to prove to someone, you know, I belong here and I, I've earned the right to be here. There's been a lot of instances. I think a lot of guys actually, at least guys that ride Bronx themselves, a lot of them look up to us and think it's really cool that we do what we do. But there's also some guys, mostly it's the ones that aren't confident in themselves that give us the crap. <laughs> Isn't that always the case? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's their insecurity speaking. It's, it's been pretty fun. I've showed up to some rodeos. I've had a few good rodeos that I've had guys come up to me. We're like, hell yeah. Like, you know, you can ride better than me. And it, 
I've entered a few guys rodeos and I haven't yet won an open rodeo. I know a few girls that have. I've definitely been congratulated by some some top hands out there. I've gone to a few bronc schools um, with some professional saddle bronc riders that they've seen me on the machine and stuff and said, hey, you're better than the guys here. And um, they're surprised. I don't think a lot of men expect it, but I definitely have had some pretty proud moments. I think my probably my favorite moment was the first buckle that I won. I was in, I want to say maybe Bastrop, Texas. I just had, I got this little horse and usually the Bronx we ride are huge. Their feet are the size of dinner plates and they're, you know, they look like Clydesdales. Usually they're half drafts. Um, but I got this little horse. It was like 13 hands. It looked like a pony. And I was like, oh gosh. And I couldn't even get my saddle very tight on it because I didn't have a small enough cinch. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is going to be embarrassing. This horse isn't going to do anything. And it goes out there. And that horse, I mean, it bucked higher than almost any horse I've ever been on. And I think I scored 81 points on it or something. And I got my first buckle and I, I was just so proud that day. I know there was a lot of people that were cheering for me in the crowd and it was fun. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned that you've been to a few schools kind of honing on your skills. Like what resources have you taken advantage of? Um, and what is the preparation process like for you? Um, schools, Bronx schools are kind of difficult because they don't really have ranch Bronx schools. Um, the TBRA, um, has started a couple for some women. Um, I have not gone to one of those yet, but, um, the Bronx schools that I have been to are men's, um, bareback riding and saddle Bronx, which I was trying to get into saddle Bronx, but, um, I've been paused cause I've had some kids since then, <laughs> but, um, they're, they're, they're hard to do. And one thing about practicing for Bronx riding is that there's always a risk of injury. So the more you practice, the more you're at risk of getting hurt. And so it's, there's a, there's a good balance of how much you can practice and how much you can compete. Cause obviously if you're injured, you're not going to be competing. Um, and really the, the only thing other than getting on more and more horses that you can practice is a bucking machine. So they have these machines that simulate a horse and, um, you put your saddle on there and they'll go up and down and, different things like that. Um, but those are also hard to find. So when I was, I guess in 2018, I found, um, a good friend, Chad Eubank that had one at his house and he was kind enough. He let me come out and he actually, um, rode bulls, Bronx, did all sorts of stuff. He trains horses now, but he was, he's the most helpful person I've ever met. Um, he's helped me a lot. He got me on the bucking machine. He would let me come out and I'd get out probably once a week or before rodeo and just kind of kind of get working on that and it helped my form and stuff a lot. But unless there's a bucking machine or a practice pin around, there's, there's not many ways you can practice. All you can do is, you know, try and stay in shape and, um, riding, riding horses like bareback outside helps, you know, with your balance and stuff, but there's not really a simulation other than the real deal that you can do. Yeah, definitely. So you've been featured on three seasons of ride TV show cowgirls what was that experience like? Because I can only imagine all of the things that come with filming a reality show with bronc riding. <laughs> um, it was fun for sure. Um, the girls on the show, like I said, were the first girls that ever showed up when I saw the first flyer um, online. Pretty much it was those original girls that were on the show. Um, 
And it was really fun because we were, were all there for the right reasons. You know, we were all just there to ride horses. And they were a different group of women than I've ever met before. Like I said, I used to really hang out with the guys and stuff more often. And these girls were so fun. I remember the first time we showed up and they came to film, there was a makeup artist. And almost all the girls were like, we don't want our makeup done. <laughs> and it was just That's it was amazing. Fun. Um, I love traveling. And so the first two years, we basically went to mostly Texas rodeos. And just small town rodeos. It was really fun going with the girls. You know, there's fairs and we'd go ride rides and it was a good group. But filming behind it all, it was it was stressful at times. There was usually we'd do something during the day filming. We'd go explore the town or something. And usually by the time I was going to get on my horse, I was pretty exhausted. So there was a challenging aspect there. You're not only mentally exhausted, but you are physically. It's a lot of work to, to film those. Um, and it it was distracting at times. It Honestly, I think the show was a really good thing. I love to see the light spread and more more women were interested in, in getting into the sport. But um, I think personally, it it made it a lot harder on me to be focused on just being there for fun. Like it made it it made it a little difficult with the pressure and everything, which uh, I was more competitive, I think, because of it. So I practiced harder and I worked harder in ways. But it's hard when you're sitting there trying to get on a horse and you have so many different things you're about to think about nodding your head and there's a camera right in your face. And, you know, there's they're like, oh, is your mic set? And there's a lot more to worry about than just riding your horse. So yeah. it, it had its challenges. <laughs> yeah, I am sure that there is an added level of pressure when you know that it's going to be filmed and broadcast to, you know, a larger audience than just the people there in the stands, too. Yeah. So I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, last year you were named to Cowgirl Magazine's 30 Under 30 list, which recognizes standout women in the Western industry. What did that accomplishment mean to you to be recognized with so many impactful women in this industry? Oh, that was awesome. Um, I was really surprised to be nominated for that. There were so many other women out there and um, you know, I'm proud of the accomplishments that I've made, but sometimes I, I guess I don't give myself enough credit because I saw all the other women that were nominated and I just felt really special that I was able to get on there. Um, I think Cowgirl Magazine does an awesome job of recognizing women that, that need it. There's so many strong women out there that are killing it, whether they're, you know, in an office doing lawyer stuff or whatever. Um, but there's so many cowgirls out there that I just respect so much. So I felt really proud to be recognized for some of the stuff that I've done. That's awesome. So these days you are a horse trainer. You have a couple kids. Is that right? <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. But give us kind of a rundown of what your day-to-day -day life is like these days. And are you actively competing now? Um, so before I had my first daughter, Casey, um, I was training horses full time. And um, usually my rodeos were on the weekend and stuff. So I was able to get away just enough to um, get the rodeos down. Since I've had my first daughter, Casey, I haven't gotten on many horses. I went to a school in September after she was born, a Bronx school, um, and I was working on my saddle Bronx, not my ranch Bronx. And I actually, pretty sure I broke my back in a spot. Um, I never went and got it x-rayed, but... Um, <laughs> of course I, you didn't. <laughs> I went out for about six months in quite a bit of pain. And so after that many months, I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure it's broken. And it, it still gets sore sometimes, but... um. I've been on a few horses since since I've had her, but mostly I've been focusing on my um, horse training. I've been passionate about colt starting ever since I learned it when I was, you know, 
like I said, when I was in high school trying to train my own horses. Um, right now, it's been tough because I'm so passionate about my bronc riding and I really want to get back to it. But I didn't expect myself to be such a softie as a mother. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I'll still do it all the time. I think I'll still enter, um, especially me and my husband go to some ranch rodeos and stuff, and they have some cool pasture bronc ridings. I'll probably enter some of the um, some of the really fun rodeos that I like a lot, but I don't think I'm going to go as hard, at least until the kids are older, just because um, if something happened to them, you know, there's not yeah. many people out where we live in the middle of nowhere to watch them. So um, <laughs> it's kind of been on a back hold, but I've been, you know, pregnant half the time since since then and raised yes. um, my no. my first daughter actually just got her first pony yesterday. We got her a little pony. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. She's, she gets her hand up on the pony. She's all confident. And I'm like, Oh no, please don't ride Bronx. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's incredible. That's incredible. Well, I think it's, I think one of the coolest parts about your story is the fact that you are into horse training now, because that's not an art that you just learn overnight. It's really a skill that takes people. I mean, I don't think people ever really stop learning in that realm, but especially if you didn't grow up around it or have that be almost like second nature from a young age. What has that process been like as you continue to grow your skills in that area? Um, I'm learning more and more every day. And the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. or I learn the the more I realize how uneducated I am just because it's so vast you you know you'll never stop learning I've always said no matter if you're the best in the world at something there's more to learn um and I love that I kind of have a ADD personality I get bored with something and move on to the next thing pretty fast I can relate to that <laughs> <laughs> so um bronc riding and colt starting um really have been the only things that I've been able to consistently, I mean, I'm just passionate about it. So um, I think it's really fun. It always stays interesting. Like I said, there's always more to learn. So I don't get, I don't get bored of it very fast. Um, I, I, I've been told by a lot of people that I just, I'm a natural with the horse training. Um, But I've, I'm really good on the horsemanship side of things. Like I'm proud of, that's probably the proudest accomplishment I can say. I'm, I'm pretty humble about a lot of things, but I'm pretty proud about my cult starting but I'm trying to learn more of the technical fundamentals. I'd really like to get into showing horses in the future. Um, and I'm really good on the mental side of things, but I gotta, I gotta work on some of the extra stuff. So uh, <laughs> I'm hoping to work with some people in the future. Once, once the kids are old enough, maybe to get into school um, and really crack down on that. Like I said, I'd like to show. So. Yeah, that's really cool. That's awesome. For instance, breakaway roping is on the rise and there are, are constantly new opportunities for women right now in the rodeo space. Do you see eventually bronc riding becoming more of a mainstream opportunity or do you think it's going to remain one of those things that's very niche? I wish that it would get up to the breakaway level, but I just really don't think there's that many women, the demand for it. And the, and I want to say this in the nicest way possible, (laughs) the women that can hold up to it. Um, I think even myself, um, I'm pretty tough and I know what it takes. I've had a lot of injuries from bronc riding and I've kept getting on, but I, I do not feel like my body is as tough as a lot of the men's. Um, I feel like I get injured easier. I don't know. I feel like overall with the women that do ride, I just don't feel like they're built physically as tough as the men. Um, and really I think the biggest struggle there, if, if enough women got into it and, um, could continue on long enough, 
it would have to change an aspect of the way breakaway is blowing up. How's there, how there's money in breakaway now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a woman and you're riding Bronx, the, the opportunity for money for us is just really not there to keep us going down the road. You know, you have to, you have to have something supporting that. And I think that's probably the biggest issue. Um, the physicality and the money of it all, because something has to drive that. Yeah, definitely. What's cool about your story is yes, you're breaking into this, this new realm of rodeo, but there are so many people, whether or not they have a Western tie or what have you that are doing, are trying to break into areas where they either don't have a lot of expertise or they're breaking into a male dominated career, even if it's an office job. What advice would you give someone trying to break into a new space, specifically one that's dominated by men? I didn't have much money growing up, like I stated. So I've always had to work really hard for the things that I wanted. Um, So I think I've just had that work work ethic there behind a lot of that. Um, You just have to show up. You have to show up when it sucks. You have to show up when you're not confident. You have to show up when you're going to be embarrassed. Or um, I just think the consistency in being there, you know, there's a quote, um, hustle work overworks talent when talent fails to work hard. And I think that's pretty true. Uh, talent and hustle together do pretty well, but um, <laughs> I've, I've proved myself in ways that I, I was definitely the underdog and you just got to show up. Um, I had a friend in high school that her parents had quite a bit of money and she had some really nice horses, but I was out there roping the dummy every day, hundred times a day, straight in a row. And I worked my butt off and um, I came in, not very high in finals. I think I hit like the last spot, but I came in one above her and it was friendly competition, but I was just like, you know what? That proves just what hard work can do because I was on a horse that, (laughs) that did not deserve to be competing. (laughs) So, um, that's awesome. You just gotta, you gotta show up. It's, it's hard sometimes, but, um, it's worth it when you have those moments when you're breaking into something and you finally get a, a pat on the back and you think it's all worth it, um, you know, that hard work doesn't seem like it was as hard. So you have a daughter. What are some things that you'd like to see change by the time she gets to the age where she's starting to get competitive in whatever event she chooses to do, if she chooses that path? I really hope um, that she chooses to go down that path, rodeo and stuff. Um, The way she loves horses already. I, I'd be surprised if she didn't, she throws a fit if I take her off one. I know when I was growing up, um, when I was rodeoing in high school and stuff, there was some times where I was more talented than the guys that I was competing against, but there was so many more opportunities that the guys had. There was an example, a high school boyfriend of mine had help from a professional roper and he'd ask him out to his house to rope the dummy and teach him and stuff. And I was there too, but he just really didn't have any interest in helping me because he thought, Oh, well, she's not ever going to get as far as he is because she's a woman, even if I was more talented than him. And there have been some of those opportunities that have been hard to hard to go literally just because I am a woman, I haven't had nearly opportunities. So I hope that there's just people willing to reach out and, um, and help her. Obviously, me and her dad will will support her in every way we can, but it takes a village. She's she's pretty strong-willed and spirited. She's independent. I, I'm not worried about <laughs> her chasing what she wants, thankfully. Um, she's hard to parent because of it, but I know it'll serve her well in the future. So I just hope there continues to be good people out there um, willing to raise each other up because I think it's getting far and few in between with that aspect. Yeah, definitely. 
So tell us what's next for you. So I'm planning on going back to work colt starting soon. Um, and we're going to be putting out some of our own horses. I had a, my own brand before me and my husband got married. But since we've been married, we kind of um, created and adopted one together. So we're um, rising a equine. And we're planning on putting out some pretty nice horses of our own soon. I've been training client horses and personal horses um, since I was younger, but I focused a lot on client horses. But we're trying to really build our brand and um, have people see our horses and know who's who they belong to and stuff. So um, I'm planning, hopefully, soon in the future, there's another girl that I talked to, too, that I might do a shared clinic with. But I'm really hoping to start doing some cult starting clinics. Um, I've had a lot of interest in them. I've posted on Instagram and stuff about... Um, starting some of those. And I was really surprised how many people would come. We're trying to kind of line out the details and stuff. But um, I think that might be something that I really dive into is, is hosting clinics. Um, I, my one worry. <laughs> so the first cult starting competition I ever did, um, I hadn't really ever publicly speaked in horse training wise anyway. And so I got in the arena by myself and I talked to myself as I was talking to an audience and I was like, okay, I think I can do this. And I got, um, to my first cult starting competition on a microphone and I kept running out of breath and couldn't, <laughs> couldn't talk to the crowd. It was really funny. But, um, my, my biggest worry about that is I'm pretty good with the horses. I can mess with the horse, but I'm going to have to have a lot more patience with the people. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, no, that makes total sense. People training is a lot harder than horse training. I think. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I can definitely see that is really, really build our brand. So I'm excited about that. You mentioned kind of your Western fashion hobby interests. Talk a little bit about that and how that kind of fits into everything. Um, I think it's really fun being into the Western fashion stuff. Um, I think it's really fun because of what I do with my bronc riding and stuff. You know, having the respect of being um, talented at something in the men's aspect. But I like to show up you know, in red lipstick and pearls and looking, looking cute and looking like a lady. Cause it's really fun. I've had so many people that I've just met, met somewhere random and they say, Oh, what do you do? And I tell them and they're like, I've had people say, Oh, you look too pretty to ride Bronx, which a is such a backhanded compliment because yeah, <laughs> amen. But um, oh my gosh. it's fun. It's fun showing up, looking cute and then kind of kind of showing off a little bit. I, I think it's a lot of fun. I love being able to express myself, play with different things. You know, I love to stand out and I just think it's really, really fun. Yeah, absolutely. So as we round out our conversation today, is there something that you'd like to leave our listeners with? You know, there's great quotes. There's all sorts of good stuff, but really the best thing in life that served me um, has been God. I am a Christian and I have followed him. He's He's helped me accomplish almost you know, he's helped me accomplish everything I've done and having that relationship with God to lean on and push you and humble you. Um, it served me better than anything in life. I've had, I've had some rough spots and I wouldn't have got out, got out of those without God in my life. So, um, if you think you're strong, put God behind you and it'll really show you how far you can go. Awesome. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for this conversation. I enjoyed it so much and I'm really excited for our listeners to hear it too. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs> Once again, that was Sarah Brown Armstrong, female bronc rider and a true embodiment of a Western woman. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Breaking the Barrier. As a reminder, new episodes are available every Tuesday and can be found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. 
Breaking the Barrier is produced by the Rural Radio Network. 